back to the Act 2 podcast, a podcast for the real-life working screenwriter, of which Josh and I are one. (laughs) (laughs) I am Tasha Hugh. And I am Josh Hallman. As a reminder, we are Act 2, a network and support group for the everyday working screenwriter, of which this podcast is just one of the things we do. Thank you for joining us here. Please remember to subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss out on any of our upcoming topics. You can give us a rating, write a really terrible comment if you want, though that doesn't really serve us very well. So no. maybe just like email us a terrible comment. Yeah. But don't put it on the thing. Yeah. <laughs> and and we'll take your we'll take your constructive criticism. I dare someone to give me some constructive criticism. <laughs> I handle it well. We'll talk about it on the podcast. <laughs> we'll see how Josh takes notes yeah. live and in person. <laughs> yeah. There's nothing, nothing feels better than getting a, you know, a direct, like those little comments where they're like, hey, Josh, you talk too much. No big deal. I feel good about that. <laughs> I can definitely change that as a host of a podcast. <laughs> You're just making things up on the fly. Tasha sounds prepared. <laughs> All right. I feel like some insecurities are coming out there. No, Paul, our editor, is a genius and makes us sound smart yeah. every day. <laughs> I feel like <laughs> you're actually really dumb, and he just <laughs> edits things together to make it sound like coherent sentences. Yeah, he's created like robot AI that does our voices yeah. that makes us say things. <laughs> Speaking of, can we talk as of this week in writing about the news that Bruce Willis has signed an agreement that we can we not you and i but people can use his like a deep fake version of him to create future bruce willis movies so let's just say in this future a new diehard movie comes out yeah. starring quote unquote bruce willis are you watching that movie yeah out of curiosity i'm going to watch it and then i'll probably stop watching it out of anger yeah that feels like the right arc <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that this is crazy. I is this true? I mean, can this actually happen? I guess I just don't want it Why to. Why not? It's like it is a sci-fi movie where you're signing away your basic like your life rights basically, like your your physical life rights. He's just it's there. So now, but I'm also wondering like that includes deep faking his voice as well, right? Because I also heard, this is very much heard, I didn't read this myself from someone, I heard it from someone else, that they said that James Earl Jones has also signed over his voice mm. to do future Star Wars Darth Vader voice. Listen, I love me Star Wars. I love me some James Earl Jones a lot. Yeah. As someone yeah. who's been watching Star Wars for a very long time, I have a feeling he signed over his voice a long time ago. That is fair. Wait, so does this mean we're going to get more Darth Vader? I mean, possibly. Now we can do whatever we want with Darth Vader because we got the voice. Wow. (sighs) All right. Brave new world ahead. I'm ready for it. Are you? No, I don't want that shit. I just want to die before it all happens. (laughs) (laughs) We we don't have to go down this road, but it's so crazy that... We, we just keep pushing these limits and we know that the robots are going to turn on us. Like 
That is, yeah, we know. That's the arc of that story. We already know mm-hmm. how this ends. They're going to be helpful for mm-hmm. a little bit. We kind of have robots that are helpful now in mm-hmm. everything that we do, and then they're going to turn. And that's mm-hmm. that. And that's just the way it's going to be. And we're marching, we're marching towards that gleefully, apparently. Oh, yeah. It's going to be awesome. I'm ready to yeah. fight. We actually <laughs> have a, we, we, I think, I feel like we have a little quick announcement to make here. Do we? We're going to be off next week. Yeah. Then we have a second larger announcement after that that I don't even know if we can make on the podcast. Why not? Okay. So listen, podcast listeners. For the first time in the entirety of the Act 2 podcast, we are skipping a week. And it Mm -hmm. is because Tasha is getting married. It's a great title of a movie. (laughs) (laughs) Cue awesome music. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so yeah, we're taking off a week because I, you know, and also let me just say this, right? A couple weeks ago, I said, Tasha, you're going to get married. I think we should maybe take a week off from the podcast. And you were like, yeah. no, we can do it. We're, we can just double up. We're going to record two in a week. We got this. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, if you say so. And then the other day I woke up with, with a text message that said, <laughs> Paul has a really great idea. He thinks we should take a <laughs> he, he thinks we should take a week off from the That's podcast. Not what I, said. I remembered that you said that, so I was trying to say like Paul supports you <laughs> and also thinks we should take time off. I and I felt and, like uh, such a yeah. heartless asshole. Like I was the one pushing us into recording the freaking podcast. That's how I said it to Paul too. I was like, Josh is making me do the podcast. He's making me do double duty. <laughs> We're recording. I mean, we three. haven't skipped through the whole pandemic. I feel like, I and then here we are. Stupid I know. Wedding. You came That's down with COVID, and we still had a podcast. That's true. It's true. We are hardcore. Yeah, we are. So but no, it's time for a break. It's time to allow myself to take a break. That's a message for all of you out there. Take a break. Your brain will be recharged. Watch. I bet you will come back, and we'll have like five new spec ideas. <laughs> All because we took one break from the podcast. I'm worried. I'm worried we might not come back. We might never come back on the podcast. I was so, like, oh, that break was so nice. Yeah. Or or you, you shoot me a message and you're like, we're going to keep going. And we're like, just record a quick episode. Why don't we record at the wedding? How about that? Oh Bring your stuff. <laughs> That's going to go over very well. <laughs> That does not set the tone for our uh, future life together. Absolutely no. not. Paul will be like, oh, God. So anyway, yeah, we're <laughs> going to be off next week. And uh, everyone wish Tasha a happy wedding. Thank you. That I'll be attending. That you will be attending. Yeah. And uh, the, really the, the finale of the wedding is getting a puppy, which is also a good reason to take off because I'm getting a puppy for the first time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're like, also a wedding. <laughs> yeah, but I already feel like I'm married. Yeah, that's cool. That's cool. Oh, yeah, you're going to have a puppy. Oh, my. This podcast is freaking done. I'm never, I'm never going to hear from you again. This is, it's over. It's over, man. But in the spirit of love and marriage and together foreverness, we're doing a special romantic movie episode. Yeah. Romantic movie episode, we feel like we should just talk about it because this all ties together into the wedding. We're going to talk about some of our favorite romantic movies, maybe some characters, why they worked, and we just wanted to talk about it because you know what? Life is short. Life is so short. You're going to get married, and we're just, we're, we're keeping to the theme. We're like, 
Love is a beautiful thing. And it's, you know, Josh seems very hard and cold on the podcast, I know. But his heart lies in romantic comedies. So I'm excited to hear what romance movies have changed his life. Yeah, I've got, I've got some in there. <laughs> I've got some in there. How do we do this? Do you, you do one and then I do one? Yeah, I just want to start with the greatest love story of all time. Oh, Ever After. Okay, so you go ahead and start. We're not on the same page. Uh, yeah, so you want to <laughs> no, you, you go, go ahead and you do go, yours, you and then uh, I'll, I guess I'll do my great love story of all time. <laughs> no, you go first. Sorry. All right. The actual greatest love story of all time. It happened on a ship called the Titanic, Tasha, between Jack and Rose Dawson. <laughs> okay. I love this movie. I love this movie. Saw it when I was younger. Obviously, everyone. I if if you I would be shocked if someone hasn't seen Titanic, right? At this point, I wonder if newer generations have never seen Titanic. Oh, that yeah, that's fair. It's probably a little outdated to a lot of people at this point. If you are in your twenties, please let us know <laughs> if you have seen this movie. Yeah, I would love. Yeah, Titanic. So I just loved it. I felt like it's just like the perfect love story to me. It's the two people from different backgrounds that come together. DiCaprio in his peak DiCaprio-ness, he sneaks his way onto the mm -hmm. Titanic. Or he doesn't sneak. He wins a bet. He gets on there. He falls in love. He's fighting Billy Zane. There, He saves her life. It's just so beautiful to me. It has an amazing soundtrack in the movie, by the way. That's neither here nor there. Amazing. I just feel like that movie hit all the, the right beats. And then it takes place in like an action movie. Like The last hour of that movie is basically the Titanic sinking. Like, it's just insane. Yeah. The structure of that movie is it's very incredible. Sad. It is epic. It's not on my list. It's like actually like nowhere near my list as greatest. Really? <laughs> you're, you're, <laughs> oh, my God. I looked like, looked like I just killed your puppy. I'm so sorry I said that. I was just conf I was just like, what? wait, what? <laughs> I don't... I've seen that movie maybe... Like, literally a couple times. Interesting. It's so tragic that I can't watch it that much, I think, is why. I don't think I like... I don't like tragic romantic movies. Okay. I mean, I have... Okay. Well, yeah. Let's hear about Ever After then. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry to shut it. No, but it's beautiful. You know, they're king of the world, mm -hmm. and he's drawing her, and it's so romantic, and of course, the cool villain. Oh, yeah. That's an interesting aspect of the romance story is there's like a villain involved, yeah. which is actually really helpful because it could be a very boring story without this like antagonist that they, like you as an audience member are rooting to be defeated yeah. by Leo. And you're just rooting for them the entire time to get together. You, yeah, you true. want them to be together. You want Leo to succeed. Yeah, and and there's just and it's and the, what's awesome about that movie is that it's rooted in around an actual thing that happened, which I think is really yeah great because it sparked Titanic like fever after that. I mean, I'm sure it's like even it's current day like Titanic stuff can probably all be you know like in pop culture references probably can be tracked back to James Cameron. That's all I'm saying. Literally, yeah. Anyway. Okay. All right. Okay. Well, my favorite of all time 
as Ever After, written by Susanna Grant, directed by Andy Tennant, starring Drew Barrymore, mm. and Du Gray Scott. And it's amazing. It's the greatest movie ever written, ever produced, ever watched, wow. ever after. Um, you know, I still haven't seen it. <sighs> oh, my God. I know. Now you've just killed my puppy. I know. I think, um, I, you know what? As a wedding gift to you and Paul, <gasps> I will be watching Ever After. I'll take it. I'll take that gift. <laughs> Forget the cups or plates or whatever you were going to get no, us. No. This is the You're gift. You're still going to get cups for sure. <laughs> but this is, this is my, new, my new gift to the world is watching Ever After. It's just so good. I tend to love. Well, I, I mean, this, this, this is this is me projecting. Like, I tend to write stories about characters who are sort of underdogs who figure out their power and become awesome by the end. Yeah. And I think that I am clearly drawn to romantic movies that have that same storyline. Because Ever After is about this poor girl who it's a cinderella story mm -hmm. it's literally ever after colon a cinderella story so it's a it's a rehash of the cinderella story and and she's yeah she's she's a nobody who the the, the prince falls in love with and she becomes a somebody but not because he falls in love with her but because that relationship that she has with him and the confidence that she has from someone who validates her and tells her, no, you are amazing, even though your stepsisters and stepmother tell you you're not, you actually are amazing. Like the confidence she grows from that changes her entire life. So even if you take the prince out of it at the end and they never get together, mm. it's still an awesome movie. That's what's so, it's just so good. And I'm gonna tell you yeah, something. Please. I tried to buy the Ever After Cinderella dress, which you will understand which I'm talking about when you watch the movie, for my wedding because they have wedding dresses that are like that. Really? But it didn't work. It didn't what work happened? Out. You couldn't find it? Uh, it's sold out. And the, the place I went to actually get my wedding dress is like a nerd wedding bridal shop. If you are in Los Angeles and you would like to know about it, Lorian Bridal, check it oh. out. It's really awesome. But she says she gets a lot of people in there who actually request the Ever After wedding dress. And I was like, oh, I'm not the only one. She's like, no, we get it. We get this request so much that I think I'm going to have to make one. Really? So it's a thing. Wow. People know what's up. Okay. Okay. I'm going to jump into another. There's oh, also yeah. like sword fighting in it. It's like really cool. Okay. Okay. So go. that actually, it sounds like a perfect Tasha movie. It's a perfect Tasha movie. Are we ever going to get rom-com? Or not rom-com, not rom but romance, yes, Tasha? We're going to get this version, Cinderella story, because here's the thing about it. It's like, if you say, Tasha, redo a fairy tale, I don't want to do like a regular Cinderella story, like the live action Disney version. I want to do this version where she like knows how to fight with swords and she's like smart and cool. And, and it has all the, the like period drama stuff that I love, that kind of fantastical element of being in a different time. But it... Mm. It's just so good. Yeah, I would do that version. That's a Tasha version of a romantic movie. Okay. Okay. Although in my version, she'd probably be a spy or something. Let's just be okay. honest. Okay. I'm going to just... I, I think I just figured out the, your version of Ever After. Okay. You know what? No. I'll save it for off the podcast. <laughs> What's the log line? The log line is... 
I, I, I can't think about I can't think of it right now because I don't know the second half of the movie. Okay, that's fair. All right. What's your next one? Okay, you ready for this? I don't know. I don't think you're going to like this, but I'm going to go here. Oh. This is a little more of the fluff okay. territory. Okay. How to lose a guy in 10 days. Oh, Paul brought this up this morning as an option, and I was immediately shut it down. <laughs> Can we get Paul on the podcast right now? Tell me why you liked it. First of all, I really like the the early 2000s rom-com territory. I'm not going to lie. Oh, I'm yeah. a sucker for all of these like these movies where it was whatever, like Ashton Kutcher and Natalie Portman and Timberlake and mm-hmm. Mila Kunis. Like, I love all mm-hmm. these kind of movies. And, and there's something that is so lighthearted and almost cheesy about them that I yeah. appreciate it and I love them. And I love that. I don't know. I just love like the fun nature of how to lose a guy in 10 days. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's like McConaughey and Kate Hudson trying to basically not like each other. Yeah. Like this falls in like the what happens in Vegas territory with Ashton Kutcher and yeah. Cameron Diaz. Love it. I love all these movies. I just love this Never shit. Never saw that one. Again, I don't like the like negativity that's in them. There, you know what it is? <laughs> I think I think all these movies have in common. Well, maybe not all of them, but like there's there's like the inciting incident probably is, oh hey, you have to do this with your opposing with this opposing partner. You know, mm-hmm. Ashton Kutcher, you have to marry Cameron Diaz or Matthew McConaughey. You have to figure out how to write a story about a or uh, Kate Hudson, figure out how to write a story about someone falling out of love with you or whatever it is. I just mm-hmm. like that. It's like just set up. Like, here we go. It's like a very, yeah, you're on a track. There's like a a, a goal yeah. for the movie rather than just love stuff. It's like a rom-com MacGuffin. Yeah, totally is. That's a really great way of putting it. I can see that. Yeah, that's very much. That's the, that's the Joshian rom-com right there. Yes, which would explain why you don't like any of my rom-coms that I've ever <laughs> throw, <laughs> thrown at you. But okay. Okay. I just, I just, yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love like 90s Matthew McConaughey rom-com guy. Like Wedding Planner, so love good. It. Right? Like like those kinds of movies are I'm a huge fan of, but those are a little bit happier. Mm. There's less negativity in them. Silliness is still there. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, maybe that's just my thing. Mm. Big takeaway, the MacGuffin. Okay. MacGuffin. Let's hear it. Okay. 10 Things I Hate About You. Starring Julia Stiles and Heath That's Ledger. on my list. Ah, There's yeah. some overlap. We got it. <laughs> Adaptation of Taming of the Shrew. It's just, ugh. What's very bold about it? I mean, it takes from, from the Shakespeare, mm-hmm. but there's two love stories going on at the same time. There are parallel tracks that you're following. And of course, of course the Julia Stiles Heath Ledger story is the A story, but your B story is you're invested in that as well you want her sister to end up with what's his deuce yeah Heath Ledger or no Joseph Gordon-Levitt yes I mean the soundtrack is so good I remember when I watched it I bought the soundtrack I watched this movie dozens of times there's something so appealing to me about a girl I guess who is really guarded who gets kind of broken down a bit Mm -hmm. by love and then she she becomes so vulnerable to him and then 
that's so scary. And I like felt that journey of being so scared to like fall in love with someone. Mm -hmm. And then it kind of backfires on her. And she's like, why was I ever, why did I ever become vulnerable? And then he shows up and is like, it's okay that you are vulnerable. I will keep you safe. I mean, that's not dialogue. That's just like the emotions of the movie. And that's so satisfying. And then they have the end where she's like reading the note in the class and saying all the things. So sad. I yeah. love that. I love it. Yeah, everything that you just said, I completely agree with. And it's fun. There's a lot going so on. Fun. You're right about having yeah. like the, the, the B story with the sister. That's really important. Because if it's just the A story, Julia Stiles, Heath Ledger, it doesn't work as well. It's not as good. I mean, it, it has that kind of mission quality yeah. a bit that you're looking for. Because she is doing it... It's been a long time since I've seen yeah. it, so correct me if I'm wrong. But she is on this path to like help her sister kind of get on the right path, right? Like, there's some kind of like. Mm. I, it's been a minute for me as well. I just know I have a feeling in my gut and in my heart that I love this movie. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta rewatch it. It's so good, it's so sweet and sad and but beautiful not too sad like like your movies like Titanic all right, all right. just sad enough I'm gonna enough. pick it up right here Raiders of the Lost Ark oh whoa I, that is a curveball big ball. time and I had to say it I almost didn't say it but I was like because I was thinking to myself because obviously I mentioned I feel like I mentioned True Lies at least once every week like once every, every podcast episode yeah. I was thinking to myself what action movies I like that have romance mm-hmm. in them and what and what stories I like like action mm-hmm. movies and then I thought oh my god Indiana Jones with Indian Marion has a interesting romantic element to it and I just felt like I had to bring mm-hmm. it up because that's yeah. not what Indiana Jones is and I don't even think you think about that aspect when you think of Indiana Jones but in Raiders of the Lost Ark there is a very very big drive for Indy to protect Marion throughout the movie like that's the drive of the movie in the second half, right? Is like, where did she go? Yeah, he has to go save her. Blah blah blah. No, I obviously love this movie, but lately someone has been like, these are all the problems who? with Marion and what person? Lately, someone who? You can't just say that. <laughs> <laughs> just no, offhanded I, comment. Yeah, we'll get we'll get that out of the style. Yeah, no, it's great. He he he. There's like an arc to it. Wait a minute. Right? About him. Can I, Does what? this person listen to the podcast? Not currently. All right. Listen, buddy or female buddy. <laughs> I want to talk to this person. I just want to talk to him. I just want to fucking talk to this person. I can tell you what they said, tell, yeah. but it's just too All sad. All right. Forget it. Forget. No, tell me what they said. I need to know. <laughs> let's, let's, let's do it. We're here. Well, when he says like when he clearly had a relationship with Marion when she was younger. Oh, okay. Let's let's move on from this. Yeah. <laughs> and she says, "I was a child," oh. and he says, "You knew what you were doing." Oh, fuck. Okay. Uh, Jesus. I, this is like the. And then apparently, there's 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 evidence, there's records of Lucas and Spielberg talking about Marion possibly being like eleven or twelve at the time. 
So this is not canon. For me, whenever I watched it, and currently when I still watch it, I imagine when she says, I was a child, she's speaking metaphorically, not literally. Like, I was young. I, I was naive. Like, that's what I always thought she was saying. Well, this is just fucking disgusting and rude. So that's what I'm ru- saying. I wish like, I wouldn't have what this per- pressed. I know. Okay, all right. Let's move on. <laughs> We're, we're, this is, this conversation is done on to the next movie, please. I, I'm okay. I have a weird one oh. that I would be very surprised if you or anyone who's listening has seen. Great. Mirror has two faces. Mirror has two faces. With Barbara Streisand and Jeff Bridges. I don't know if I've seen it, but I know, like I can picture the, like the VHS slash DVD yeah, cover of it. Yeah, I bet you can. Yeah, totally. It's so good, you guys. It's so worth a watch. Um, oh, I just thought of another one that I have to add. Okay, 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 okay. Okay, okay so Mirror Has Two Faces. The basic premise is Barbara Streisand plays like the uglier, younger sister of this, you know, her older sister is beautiful, always gets the guy, and her older sister has married into money and her older sister at one point who is getting older says says to her says to Barbara Streisand you know the saddest thing for a woman is to walk in the room and realize you're not the most beautiful woman in the room anymore mm-hmm. and there's something very sad for Barbara Streisand to hear that the only thing her sister values about herself is her own beauty and that of course again saddens her Barbara Streisand meanwhile is a literature professor at NYU or some college in New York and she what I, th- what I think she does is answers an ad for Jeff Bridges. Now, Jeff Bridges, meanwhile, his intro story is that he's always, like, dating his TAs. He's, like, a math professor. So he's super nerdy, kind of not socially adept. And he keeps dating younger women, and it's not working out because he's, like, too smart for them or too mature for them. And he's always just falling for good looks. So he puts out an ad for someone who's not pretty. <laughs> It's like, I want someone who's not pretty, who wants to be in a relationship that's not about sex. Because for in Jeff Bridges' mind, sex ruins everything. So Barbara Streisand and Jeff Bridges, like, strike up this relation, this agreement, I should say, that they will live together and, like, get married and live an intellectual life. And it works for a while. Until it doesn't, because Barbara Streisand and Jeff Bridges start to fall in love with each mm. other and realize that actually love is key to a relationship and they learn to love each other through just being with each other like intellectually for it's just so beautiful that does sound beautiful i should watch that it's really it's really it's lovely and again i just i just i think i just like those those stories of like yeah there's a theme girl who's down who goes up i don't know okay yeah sorry go ahead okay I could have talked about that. I just feel bad. I could have rambled about Mir has two faces because we're we're, we're tapping okay. into a Tasha thread here. I think you can. Yeah, I think we're learning a lot about. No, me. no, no, no. I feel like I know what kind of uh, <laughs> my rom com we're gonna we're gonna watch. Okay. Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. All right. Is this even considered a romance movie? Sure. Yes. I think yeah, so. Yeah. I mean, the whole entire like engine of the movie is about love, right? It's about love. It's. Uh, it's a, it's a, there's, if you haven't seen it, I would be, you have to watch Eternal Sunshine, I feel like, if you're a screenwriter, right? I agree with that. Yeah. First of all, it's one of like, I love this movie. I love this yeah. movie. I didn't know that about oh, you. Oh, yeah. I love it. I love it. And someone tries to erase their memory 
Jim Carrey's just flailing, trying to figure out what happened to their relationship. And you get to see this relationship play out. It's like time jumps and it cuts and it's just very creative. And then basically the message at the end, very similar to The Mirror Has Two Faces, sort of, is like kind of love prevails. Like these two people are meant for each other. You can erase each other's memories. You can try to forget what all the baggage and all the bullshit that's happened. But these two people are connected to each other because of love. Yeah. And they might, you just can't, it's, it's, I, I, I find it to be beautiful as, that is beautiful. although it's a very depressing movie at times. Yeah. It is very sad at times because I think it so taps into our own feelings about love and our own, like how much it tears you apart and how much it can hurt you. But also the love that like we all crave when we're in bad relationships. Mm -hmm. Anyways, this movie makes me want to go hug Paul. Yeah. This conversation. Yeah. Yeah. That's the point of this podcast. No, it's great. It's such an unusual, that's why it's a good screenwriting movie. It's such an unusual structure and like sci-fi element to tell a story to make what would otherwise be maybe a generic theme um, into something really unique. Mm. So yeah, super creative. I wonder in the process of that, what came first? It feels like the high concept came first of like a guy who wants to get his memories taken out because they're too painful. And then the love story needed to get injected in there to give it drive. I agree. That sounds about right. But the love stories makes you is what makes you want to watch it, which is a really good screenwriting lesson because so many times when I come up with particularly sci-fi ideas, I come up with a sci-fi concept, like experimentation on humans to make them superhuman or you know, Google Google Voice becomes uh, sentient and I don't know, yeah. whatever. You, you usually come up with like the the thing, the sci-fi thing first, and there's no story there. Yeah. So you really and again, what you remember from Eternal Sunshine is the love story. You don't remember the sci-fi stuff. The sci-fi stuff is just fun and gets you through yeah. it. So, yeah. good lesson. I'm a big fan of even kind of like what you were saying is about the mirror's two faces and and this that message that there's this uh, intangible thing that brings people together and you have fallen in love and there's no escaping it. You are meant for each other. Yeah. And I really like that when that happens in movies. You believe in soulmates, Joshua? Oof, Tasha. Do I believe in soulmates? <laughs> Fucking sure. For the this podcast, yeah, sure. I feel like you I do. I think I do. I do believe in soulmates. I can tell from the way with movies that you like. Yeah, I do. <laughs> I do. All right. My next one. My next one is again one that probably people have not seen. I accidentally saw it. It's a 1991 rom-com. Not even, no, rom-drom. It's called Dogfight. Have you seen this movie? No. With River Phoenix and Lily Taylor. No. How have I not seen this movie? Oh, it's so good. Uh, it's, It's set in the 1960s. River Phoenix is one of a few sailors, one of which is Brendan Fraser, who are beginning shipped off to Vietnam like the next day. And so they play a game. They're getting drunk on their last night on, and they're, they're, um, they're playing a game called Dogfight. And the object of the game is to go out into the city and find the ugliest woman you can find. 
make her fall in love with you and bring her back to the bar. And whoever has the ugliest woman wins. Jesus Christ. It's awful. (laughs) It's an awful premise, but it's a beautiful love story because he ends up finding uh, Lily Taylor, who they really uglified to be in this movie. She is so cute, Um, but she's a huge, like, he's a huge dork. Um, And he tries to woo her and she's like, get the fuck out of here. I know what you're doing. There's no way someone like River Phoenix is into me. Like you're, you're, no, not Mm -hmm. happening. And then they fall in love over the course of the night in like a real genuine way. And he is so sad to leave her at the end of the night. And when he brings her back to the bar, everyone's kind of making fun of her. He's like, oh, dude, you won. And he's like, no, don't fucking talk to her like that. She's an amazing, beautiful woman. And it's just so great. Another message I love. That that's that's <laughs> I love that. That's like she's all that. And mes- it's message very, I, another movie I love. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I love I love these I love those movies. Yeah. What what would be that? It's like that it's it's almost like a subgenre of rom- like rom-coms of that where it's these people who are you set out to make fun of somebody else and then you end up falling in love. Yeah. That's yeah, I love that. Okay, this next movie I freaking love, Crazy Rich Asians. Oh, interesting choice. Based off of the novel, Yeah. which I haven't read. <laughs> <laughs> but thanks for bringing it but up. <laughs> apparently there's some words about this movie somewhere. I fucking love this movie. I love it. Kind of similar to Titanic in the sense that it's these people from two different areas. Although in this case, the girl doesn't know where he is from. Like she doesn't know that she's dating one of like the richest people around. Yeah. But I I just love this idea of like coming into the family. The family doesn't like you. You're winning over the family. The the man or or anyone, the man or woman is like steadfast in their love, but it's kind of like against all odds. And then Crazy Rich Asians has a wedding scene that might be my favorite wedding scene. I'm almost getting choked up just thinking about it. But his favorite wedding scene. Tell me about it. That I've ever watched. It's, 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 wait, you've seen Crazy Rich Asians. Once. Do you remember the wedding scene? No. You don't remember the so wedding scene? So tell me about it genuinely. So there's water spread across the floor. It's, it's just, yeah. I'm, obviously it's a very elaborate wedding and it's not the wedding for the main characters. They go to a different wedding. The guy, Henry Golding, he walks down the aisle and they're playing a song, which I can't remember the name of the song, but the, the Constance Wu, I believe that's her name. Is she standing like mm-hmm. in the crowd and she's just looking at Henry Golding and it's this very romantic moment. And then he mouths, I love you while this music is going on and she smiles and it is just like the most beautiful thing because it's someone else's wedding, but you kind of see them in that moment and they are just locked on to each other. So if you haven't seen Crazy Rich Asians, I highly suggest it because if you can work your way up to that kind of moment, and if you can earn that in a movie, you've won. Just tears at that moment. I just cry all the time. I cry yeah. a lot in movies. Nicole always looks at me and she's like, are you crying? I'm like, no. <laughs> I cry all the time too. No, I'm okay. 
I'm good. <laughs> anyway, so. I think you said like a very key phrase, which is against all odds, which is a huge trope in these movies that really make it work. Mm-hmm. And in that movie, the against all odds is just every single family member, including the most important one, Michelle Yao, the mother of the group, not wanting Constance Wu and Henry Golding to get together, mm-hmm. right? So constantly telling her she's not good enough to the point where she believes it herself and is going to like back out of the relationship, mm-hmm. right? If I remember correctly. Yeah. So that's... That's what makes that moment, I think, so satisfying is that despite sort of what you would expect to happen as as we live and breathe in our own daily lives, you know, people with money don't often pick someone without money yeah. or without the same education. Like, it's very rare to have that sort of Prince in the Popper arc work yeah. um, in these relationships in real life. So the fact that Henry Golding goes against what you would absolutely expect of him and like forgive him for because this is just what happens in real life is what makes it so rewarding, I think. And that's what makes it a fantasy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is never going to happen to you or anybody else, by the way. But, um, you yeah. know, it's interesting because I feel like if you're writing a movie, if you're setting out to write a rom-com or a romance movie or anything, the main thing that you have to remember and I think what we're kind of taking away is that love prevails. You can put your characters through absolutely anything, but love is going to prevail at the end. You just need to figure out the most unique way to get to that moment. Yeah. No? I'm pausing because when I've written my own rom-com, of which I have done once, Mm -hmm. the difficulty in writing it becomes that second act section where you do have to throw obstacles in their way. And like what obstacles... Do you throw that achieves this great Titanic, crazy rich Asians, 10 things I hate about you kind of ending that's so rewarding? It's very hard. And I feel like maybe we should do kind of what we did last episode where we kind of broke a log line. Maybe we should break like a, like a rom-com log line and see what we can see in the second act as some good ways of throwing obstacles against your couple so that it's an against all odds story. I love it. I love the against all odds. Absolutely. Yeah. Speaking of against all odds, the last two movies I have are very much that. I guess I'll bring up, you have two more? I can be done. All right. Yeah, take us home. Moulin Rouge. Moulin Rouge is like, to me, it feels like an against all odds story. It's another one where it's a poor um, Ewan McGregor, just a poor poet, nobody guy who meets the most beautiful woman in all of Paris, Nicole Kidman. Mm-hmm. And she's the most unattainable goddess you could ever possibly meet. Mm-hmm. And those two fall in love. And the obstacles that are against them is... The same night they meet, or I think around, at least around the same night, a new figure enters the like, brothel or burlesque show that they all work in, um, Nicole Kidman works in, who is going to like save the whole show. He's an investor. He's a duke. 
He is going to make sure that this show never ends and that everyone who works here continues to have a home and they don't have to go back to the streets, which is, that's the happy ending they've all been looking for, right? Mm -hmm. But enter Ewan McGregor, who Nicole Kidman inconveniently falls in love with because her job is to fall in love with the Duke or to pretend to so that he will invest in this show. That's her only job. Mm. You will save everyone in this show if you just make the Duke fall in love with you. So there's stakes there. They're like, everyone else is relying on her, but she just can't do it. But she pretends. She pretends as best as she can. And I think that a, like, that against all odds story really works. And the other piece is that she's dying. And he doesn't know and she has to hide it from him and that new information that she's dying is what makes her decide to tell him that she doesn't love him because she doesn't want to break his heart and and she has to save her people and so i don't yeah. know i'm gonna no, ramble, I love it but that's like that's what's so beautiful about it the against all odds really work in that story i love it. it's against all odds i think that's what i gravitate yeah. towards with these movies yeah Also, one of the most thematic movies I've ever seen in my entire life. If you want to learn about motifs and themes, watch that movie. It's incredible. Can I ask you one last thing? Where do you fall with the movie Love Actually? I love Love Actually. I feel like I watch it like every Christmas. Yeah, mandatory. Mandatory viewing. Okay. I just wanted to make sure because I've met people who aren't that high on love actually and it always weirds me out it's not like the feel-good movie of the year i don't watch it like the same way i might watch 10 things about i hate about you or ever after to like feel good about love but yeah no that's required viewing okay okay well that's our love talk everybody (laughs) that's it those are that (laughs) we we've it's good we i i feel like i actually kind of figured some things out about what makes these movies tick? I want to break one down now. I'm excited. I do too. The Obstacles is really... I, it kind of came up when you were talking about 10 Things I Hate About You. Those those obstacles are really important in movies like this because, you know, you need uh, your main couple to have adversity and to bump against things and to do things and to go to a carnival. But when they go to the carnival, the ex-boyfriend or the ex-girlfriend are there. You know, like these, you need these moments and and hopefully, uh, you know, those moments are substantial and rooted in character. And That's the tough yeah. part is to find ones that don't feel written. Like I'm just putting an obstacle in front of this couple for there to be an obstacle because I know there needs to be one. Like the best movies do it so effortlessly yeah. that you don't even notice it's happening. You're just experiencing it. So I think that's why it's worth breaking one down to see what we can see. Like it's, it's kind of like tearing the car apart to see how it works. That's how it feels like, like kind of breaking a log line for this might be. Yeah. Okay. I'm in. All right. Cool. Quote of the day. Let's go. Things can't just happen because they look cool. It has to be related to the story and character driven, both in visual effects and world building. Action also needs to have character development in it. World building has to have a lot of restraint and limitations because everything has to make sense. Chloe Zhao. Yeah. 
Please remember to rate and subscribe. Follow us at Act Two Writers for more awesome writing stuff. You can follow me, Tasha, at Story Thursday on Instagram or on Twitter at Tasha 3.0. And I am Joshua Hallman on Instagram, on Twitter, Josh Hallman on Instagram. <laughs> and as always, the Act Two podcast is a production of Act Two, a network and support group for the everyday working screenwriter. This episode was edited by Paul Lundquist, music by 414 Beg, which you can find on Spotify. 